Welcome to Income for Baby Boomers. If you want to learn about exciting new businesses each week from other boomers who speak your language and have started a unique and profitable business from home, you have come to the right place. For those who would like to try some of these low investment opportunities, stay tuned. We'll help you get started in your own profitable adventure. Now with your host and entrepreneur, Ken Queen. I'd like to welcome Tim Sinclair, inventor of Ringer. And uh, welcome, Tim. How you doing? Hey, I'm great, Ken. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Super. I was introduced to your program. I was at a, a Florida PodFest recently, a few weeks ago, and uh, people were displaying how well that works. So that's why I got so excited to, to meet you and hear about the program. But I'd like to go back a little further because uh, baby boomers often like to know just you know where you coming, where you came from, and whether they can get to where you are. <laughs> I guess this is the, is the point. Um, have you been an entrepreneur all your life, or when did it all start? I like to say it this way. I've been entrepreneurial, but haven't necessarily been a full-fledged entrepreneur all my life. I've always had ideas of how to um, start a business or some a concept that I think would work, and I've even tried a few of them out from time to time, but never really put all the pieces together um, the expertise needed to pull off whatever idea I had, the funding I needed to pull off whatever idea I had, and then the time dedicated to make it all happen until uh, almost exactly a year ago. And so I've always had those that, that sort of bent about me, but never really jumped in full force till more recently. So you were a full-time employee for someone else up until a year ago, would that be correct? Uh, almost entirely. I did start my own company. It was more of a lifestyle business of doing production and voiceover work and writing for radio stations and other businesses uh, because radio is my background. So I did that for about three years. But otherwise, I've always had somebody else as a boss, primarily at radio stations. And uh, it's been great, but uh, this is a whole new journey, which I'm really enjoying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, here's the great thing. At, at an older age as you are, not that you're that old, but um, to start something new is what a lot of the boomers want to hear because a lot of people out there 50, 60, they've been laid off, fired, or a skinny retirement, and they're thinking, gee, can I do this this late in life? And I think you're the proof that it can be done. Yeah, I, you know, it's uh, it, it's. There are positives and negatives to doing it later in life. Obviously, um, when you know if you're a twenty-something, um, you don't have nearly as many commitments. Most likely, uh, may not have a family, and so the only people you're impacting by branching out on your own and, and starting a business would be yourself. Uh, as you get older and have a family and kids and a mortgage and uh, other responsibilities, that that can be a bit harder. However, uh, what I found, I'm I'm not even 40 yet, so I'm I'm not I, I wouldn't consider myself old, but I'm certainly farther along than many entrepreneurs. And um, you know, some of the advantages I see are um, you know life experience and the contacts that I've made throughout my career that have really uh, allowed me to um, do more than I could have done 10 or 15 years ago in this space. Um, I know more about the business that I'm trying to impact. And I feel I can better explain what it is I'm doing um, because of my career in radio than I ever could have if I didn't have that. So there are lots of advantages, and um, it's still scary, but uh, a little different. I got you. Um, so if you were to do it all over again, you would have done it at 20, it sounds like. Uh, no, I wouldn't say that. I, I just think there are, there are differences between, um, between the two. Uh, I don't think I knew enough 
then to pull it off. I don't think I had enough uh, resources. I don't think I, I knew the right people to pull it off um, when I was 20 or 25 years old. Um, so I think the van- advantages to, to doing it later in life far outweigh the negatives. But there's there's more to risk. And I, you know, I'm not going to lie about that. Um, you know, when you have people who are counting on you and you're mm-hmm. jumping into a venture that is unknown, um, there there is some fear in that. I got you. But uh, there's a lot of advantages in age, is what you're saying. So, so again, a lot of the listeners are in a spot where they don't have to make money tomorrow, uh, necessarily, but they want to know that if they start on a venture, that it will make money. And uh, that's what you've done. You, you, you know this is going to work. Uh, are you a high-tech person, Tim? I was just wondering how that fit in. Are you, you know, highly technical? Not really. <laughs> um, that was part of uh, my journey in all this is – learning um, that I can have the best ideas in the world and the ability to share them with the right people. But if I don't bring a team around me that can fill the gaps, um, the places where I am lacking, then it's never going to succeed. And one of those gigantic gaps in this um, endeavor was the technical Mm -hmm. side. I knew what could be done and what should be done. I just didn't know how to do it. Um, And we can get into some more of that later if you'd like, but um, I, I, had a lot of looking to find the right people who could make Ringer function and function well and do what I knew was possible, but nobody had ever done before. And so I had to find that team and find um, a team of people, uh, investors who are willing to get on board and help make it possible financially. And uh, remarkably, that happened very, very quickly. Uh, Just blessed that it it played out the way it did. And uh, now we're off and running. Uh, the exciting part about that is, uh, <coughs> excuse me, our listeners could be extremely creative. <coughs> excuse me, uh, but they they're lacking that technical part. I think most you know uh, most baby boomers have a problem with the technical part, the software part. So what you're saying is, if you have a great idea, you can form the rest of the team to make your idea work, and you don't have to be a technician at all. Yeah, I'm not. I couldn't write a line of code if my life depended on it. Um, But I was able to inspire the right people um, that this idea was a good one and it could work. And that, you know, if we all were willing to to put a little in, we could perhaps get a lot out. And so that's what I did. I began selling, quote unquote, my idea to the people that I thought would help make Ringer successful. And um, we've built a small but great team so far and are in the process of continuing to build that. And uh, we're just bringing the people on who can do the stuff that I can't. And investment-wise, so people get an idea of taking a challenge on like you've done here with Ringer, uh, what kind of dollars, if you don't, me, don't, don't mind me asking, that you've put into it so far to bring it to this level? Well, it totally depends on the type of business you're getting into. Um, certain, if it's the app world, some of those are just websites on your phone. <laughs> um, and so those are a lot less expensive to pull off. When you're doing something like we're doing, when you're working with a, um, a whole bunch of different moving parts and pieces in the back end of both the phone and servers, it can get a lot more expensive. Um, we raised a little over a quarter of a million dollars a year ago and are nearly out (laughs) Um, and are finishing a another round of funding right now Uh, we're not disclosing those terms but it's uh, quite a bit more than 
than the initial round, um, and that will get us, you know, for the next year to uh, 16 or 18 months of um, putting our nose to the grindstone, continuing to develop the product, and start marketing it uh, at the same time. Okay, so when you have a great idea like you've had here, which is is extraordinary, um, did you your actual cash? Did you gather the people with the money and the tech the technology to help you do this, or have you put out put up your house and a hundred thousand dollars of your own to get this off the ground? Thankfully, um, I did not put any of my own money out there. Um, not necessarily because I wasn't willing to do it, but because I don't have a lot to to put out there. Okay. <laughs> um, so uh, what I did essentially was um, convince the technical people that this is something they should help me work on and was convinced by them that it was doable. And then we took that to um, a venture capital firm near where I was from and just presented the case. And uh, usually that is a very long, drawn-out process. Uh, it took us a grand total of three days well, to convince them that this is something they should do, and um, not only did they lead that first round, but they've been gracious enough to lead this next round as well, and they're certainly excited about the technology. Super. So I'm just I'm getting the flow of this, so people you know in the audience can say, "Wow, I have an idea that would take that kind of money, and is it possible to do it without my money?" And you've done it. That that's super. So that first step, then first you came up with the idea for the software, and uh, uh, you knew exactly what it wanted to do at that point, or you had a more of a vague idea. Or no, I I knew exactly what the end result needed to be, and a pretty good idea of what had to happen technologically speaking to make it work. Um, however, I didn't know how to tell a phone to do what it needed to do uh, and how to get an app to uh, you know, interface with a phone and with servers and all that kind of stuff. So my technical team um, has really put the, the nuts and bolts together where as you know, I kind of drew a picture of a car and uh, they're like, okay, this is how we're going to put the pieces together to make what what is in Tim's head come to come to life, and uh, so that's kind of how we've worked so far. And now that we're we've got beta products out there, now we're kind of all working together about okay, what's possible, what's necessary, what's just flashy but not really required, and uh, trying to make some decisions as we move forward. All right, now um, these technical people then, because you didn't put out money, you gave them uh, a partnership, ownership in the product? Is that how you got them aboard? In part, yes. Um, they agreed to work for a lesser rate in exchange um, for equity in the company. And so we did pay them some uh, over the course of the last year, but not nearly as much as you would have paid them if they were just, you know, simply contract employees. Uh, so maybe 10%, 20%? Yeah, it was probably, I think we went about... I want to say it was 50-50-ish, actually. So uh, okay. we used some of the money that was invested by the venture capital firm to pay these guys, and then the rest that we just didn't have, we put into what's called a convertible note, which essentially is um, guaranteeing them some equity Stop. in the company. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but when you first started, like you said, you really didn't put much money out. The, before you went and got the venture money, the 250000 at that point, did, did those early people, were they just strictly in, uh, again, just trying to help people to figure out how to get something off the ground, were, were they in 100% uh, uh, without any money and they were just, you know, 
partnering with you to try to reach that level where you could go and get the 250? Yeah, we actually, or did you pay those guys even back then? We hadn't even started work when I when we went to raise the money. So we had no product, no template, <laughs> oh, wow. nothing. Um, and again, this is not how it normally works in this kind of space. I've been told over and over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for some reason, um, you know, we had the idea and uh, the, the technical expertise to make it happen enough to convince um, some venture capitalists that, hey, this we need to sort of get this thing started with some seed money and see where it goes. Um, so uh, they didn't, my technical team didn't agree to get started until we had money and the money basically came once they saw what the idea was and the technical team was in place to get started. And that's really where we began. Okay. So this was a lot better deal for you as far as the amount of ownership you got compared to like saying doing a licensing deal saying okay here's my idea you go to a software company that's already in that field and you end up with say five percent right of the wholesale price where you are at fifty percent or more doing it the way you did it would that be correct yes that's that's accurate and obviously as you do more rounds and raise more money that percentage will go down but the value of your company goes up and so the amount uh, in, in actual dollars that you would have up upon sale continues to rise, at least in an ideal circumstance. That's what happens. And so far, that's where we've landed. So, yes, that's accurate. Okay. And um, with your projections now, you have a better idea than when you first started. What uh, what uh, do you figure is uh, positive cash flow? Uh, what, when, where do you think that point is? A, a year into this? or where do you Yeah, think it's that hard to say. Be? I would say by this time next year, I would like to be close. Um, we essentially need between 3,000 and 3,500 paying customers to, to break even, to have a positive cash flow. Um, we have a, you know, being a, a, an app that's specifically designed for broadcasters, podcasters, anybody recording audio, um, we have a little bit more narrow market than, you know, somebody who's manufacturing a game or something like that. But um, we think it's certainly realistic by the middle of next year to be close to that point. Well, there's got to be 30,000 people out there that could use the product probably a lot more, would you say? Or? Oh, for sure. I mean, there there are there are more than a quarter of a million podcasters as of last year, and that number is growing exponentially at the moment. So just in the podcasting space alone, um, there's, the opportunity is huge. Um, my background is radio broadcasting, and there are you know close to half a million radio broadcasters around the world. Um, I, I think this has some uses uh, in television, in uh, print, people who are recording conversations that they're going to then type stories up about. Uh, the legal field, they have to record depositions long distance sometimes, uh, medical consultations, conference calls, you know, the list goes on and on. There, There's a huge opportunity there. And so uh, we're going to take small bite-sized chunks and uh, hopefully grow it into something huge down the line. And so let's say there's 3 million people total. You only need 3,000 of them. So you need, the, what, one-tenth of a percent or something? Uh, to break even, yeah. <laughs> That's Ricky. Yeah, well, you plan on making the money, but I'm just saying it's not a. It doesn't sound. I don't even know why it would take another year. But again, if you're going to continue with beta and not charge for a year, then of course it will take another year. When do you think you're going to go to the? You know, uh, right now it's free, right? Correct. Yeah, we're in beta right now, but this fall uh, in September is our goal to start uh, transitioning from the free to the paid model. And uh, I would agree with you. I hope it's quicker. Um, we already have 
3,000 downloads of um, the app without any marketing. You know, it's just people mm-hmm. telling other people about it and trying it, yes. using it. Um, but, you know, the re- reality of conversion from free to paid is um, nationwide, it's about 5% uh, of the people who try something free who are ever willing to pay for it. So I hope we're markedly higher than that, but I don't have any hopes that like all 3,000 are going to convert in September. <laughs> but who knows? I'd be well, okay with that. It probably depend on your price too. What do you what do you project the price will be? Um, the people who are doing the interviewing on um, on Ringer and, and are inviting others to calls, it's a nineteen dollar a month um, charge, and that allows them to do unlimited interviews, um, connect with anybody they want. They'll get uh, the highest quality files, multiple file types, external mics, uh, eventually conference calling. Um, so we're going to pack that full of features. Um, but we're going to start uh, at the $19 a month range in September. Are they going to be grandfathered in somehow that that's the highest they'll ever go, or, or, or how do you plan on doing that? Yeah, beta users, anybody who's used it between when we launched in January with the iOS version um, all the way up through August will get a, um, a steep discount, like 50%. So you'll pay 10 bucks a month if you pay a year in, in advance. Uh, okay. And then it would revert to the $19. So um, there will be a big incentive for those who've used it early and who've gotten on our mailing list. And um, that's really going to be our transition point. All right. Okay, good, good. Um, this way you created this whole program, uh, this whole uh, uh, software program, do you see, Tim, that you can, maybe you can come up with another one and another one? that you can maybe do the same thing once this is off the ground. Yeah, perhaps. Uh, we haven't talked much about uh, what it does, and so I don't want to get too far into the weeds and confuse people, but um, essentially we allow you to record with anyone anywhere in the world on any device and have it sound like you're in the same room at the same time. And so um, basically my device, if you and I are having a conversation, my device records me, your device records you. We don't record any of the transmission stuff in the middle, which is the stuff that sounds bad on a phone call or Skype calls Mm -hmm. or whatever. And then we take those files and we put them in the cloud uh, after the call is over, layer them on top of each other, and then play them back. And when you play them back, it sounds like we're sitting right next to each other talking. So um, what we plan to do and what our patent uh, that's pending at the moment has as, as a part of it is if we can do this with um, audio, we can do it with video too. So nice. you know, your side could record your video, my side would record my video, we put them together, and then when you watch it back, it looks HD quality on both sides. We can also do conference calling. If we can layer one person on top of one other person, we could layer four or six or eight or ten um, with audio and with video. So those are really the steps that we're looking at moving forward uh, once we've got the audio piece down is, okay, how can we do this in a conference call environment? How can we do this in a video environment? And um, really think that will keep us busy for quite some time. So the video version would be like a split screen then, I guess. Correct. Yeah, or if you had four people in a conference call, when you got it back, it'd be, it'd start to look very Brady Bunch-ish, you know. You could put four boxes. Put yeah. Okay. All right. So, okay, so that's the direction you're going there. So, I mean, 
there, there's a huge potential here. This $19 a month, that's probably not going to include video? Or, yeah, or once we work? get to video and conference calling, that'll start to change a little bit, and we will likely have a, a low level for people who are just only going to ever use it for audio, a different level, level for video, because moving those files around and storing them is a lot more expensive than audio. Sure. And then yeah. conference calling, um, there will be a level for that, too, depending on how many people you want to get into a call. You know, if it's just three or four people, that's one thing. But if you want to get to 10 or 12, um, there would be a different level for that. So at the moment, we're trying to keep things incredibly simple, 19 bucks, that's it. Um, but once we begin adding some of these more robust features with video and conference calling, that will begin to change a little bit. What's stopping you from charging uh, 4.95 right now just to get the ball rolling? Um, nothing necessarily other than uh, we really want to, um, for both – Apple and Android, um, make sure we're as bug-free as possible um, before starting to charge people. Um, you can do, you know, some people go the model of they're going to do internal testing uh, for months and months and months and months and months and then just release the product all at once and start charging for it. There are others who say a public... Like Microsoft. Right, right, <laughs> right. Put everything out with bugs. Yes, and that's and, and there there's a problem, you know, obviously with that philosophy. And then there's some who say, well, let's test it in the marketplace and just give it away for free and have the people who are power users use it, see what they think, get their feedback, make changes as you go, but start to begin to, you know, build a groundswell of support um, as you do that. Um, and there are some risks in that as well. Um, but we decided that we would rather release the beta, allow people to help us work through any bugs, things that they see that they need, that they don't need, and um, make changes sort of on the fly. And then once we get to a good solid footing, uh, flip the switch and try to incentivize those people who've hopefully already fallen in love with the product to uh, convert into paid users. All right. Um, I'm just trying to figure out how you could get people now to help want to finance this. Uh, and, and give them some incentive. So, for example, right now they're gonna when when it hits nineteen dollars a month, they're gonna be half that. Let's say, okay, so they're uh, nine fifty or whatever, and they and they're at the nine fifty for one year. Or how long did you say? Yeah, if you pay for a year in advance, we'll do it ten bucks a month. So you pay one time for one hundred and twenty dollars, and you get the first full year of Ringer um, for that price. Okay, but if you pay monthly, then they would still be nineteen Correct. even. Once it hits. Okay. So why not offer right now anyone that starts paying $19 a month now, all right, uh, they will get uh, the 950 rate for two years or three years. And that way there, they're a bit cheaper, but they're your base for maybe, you know, uh, if a thousand of them do that a month, I mean, that gives you uh, $19 times a thousand. How much is that? Yeah, 19,000. <laughs> 19,000. Okay, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> easy math. Yeah, not, so, not 19, what I can do. so 19,000 a month right now, would that make a big difference well, to you? Anything would help for sure. Uh, and we're really in a spot where um, we, we could. Um, however, there are, so, there are some infrastructure things that we need to have in place um, in order to make that happen. We need to, of course, have the ability to take payments in order to create accounts through our website, not just through the app, um, and then to be able to manage those accounts. Who's free? Who's paid? What do they get? What do they not get? Um, and all of that um, takes a little bit of doing. And so that's sort of what we're in the middle of this summer. Um, our okay. goal was really to get the product 
uh, and the features nailed as much as we could at a very basic level, which is kind of where we've landed right now. And then, okay, uh, let's put the work into the infrastructure while people are using it and getting, hopefully beginning to love it. Um, now we'll put the pieces in place that we can begin to charge. And we believe that by September we'll be in that spot. All right. Uh, I was just, I guess, thinking more along the lines of something like Kickstarter. They haven't even made the thing half the time, and but people are already investing because they're going to get a low price or whatever. So sure. they, they have all these incentives up front. So even though in your case you're in beta, you have that cash flow right away to really show people supporting, which will help you get more rounds of money, I'm sure. I mean, if you could show them, hey, I got 50000 a month coming in uh, at my beta level, um, can you imagine what it's going to be down the line? And so now they're going to be at the level where they're willing to, to you know, uh, give you several more, more million that they wouldn't have otherwise. Sure. That's all. So, well, anytime so you can I'm show just, cash flow, that, that makes venture capitalists happy, that's for sure. So just make some kind of simple, make, don't make it complicated. I mean, I don't know how complicated it would be if they all go to uh, PayPal and set up an account or put their charge card with you for the $19 a month. It shouldn't be too complicated to start generating that, uh, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40,000 a month right up front. That's all. Just an idea. <laughs> hey, well, ideas are good. Uh, we're, we're not opposed to ideas at all. Okay. So that, that's, okay, let's talk about the product and exactly uh, how it works and everything so people can get excited here and want to start using it. <laughs> yeah, my, my frustration really came. I worked at radio for 18 years uh, on the air and the production room, and I, did, I recorded literally thousands of radio interviews, almost entirely done over the phone um, with, you know, artists, athletes, authors, um, experts, professors, you know, and people of interest who we wanted to share with our listeners. But one, they were never uh, or rarely in the town where I lived. So you had to connect with them over the phone and at their convenience when they had a chance to, to, to get in touch with you. And they all sounded terrible. I mean, every interview had that phone quality where if you're as a listener, you have to turn it way up or just turn it off because it, it's really, really difficult to understand. And so that was my frustration. And I had a, an artist friend um, who I said, I want to do an interview with you, but I don't I don't want phone audio. And so I sent him a list of questions via email and said, record the answers to these into voice memos on your iPhone and then email me that file and let's see how it sounds. And he did and sent me the file and with a very little bit of processing that we did on our end, it sounded unbelievably good. Um, in fact, uh, that was probably two or three years ago, and it's still playing on the radio station where I worked because it just it sounds like they were right there in studio. And that led me to think, well, what if we could figure out a way for me to actually talk to him on the phone and have his phone record at the same time? It's like, well, if we could do that, why don't we have my phone record me while we're talking, and then we'll put those two pieces together later, and it'll sound like the two of us were having a back-and-forth conversation. And So that's really where the idea for Ringer came from. And uh, ever since, the idea popped into my head has been finding people who can teach a phone or an iPad or a computer to both connect on a voice-over IP connection like Skype would be or like FaceTime, but also record, record. in incredibly high quality. Right. That's where the problem comes in. <laughs> yes. And then the other problem is, of course, once you have those files, you take them to the cloud. How do you get them to sync exactly so that it sounds like a perfect back and forth conversation and there's not giant delays or people talking over each other? And um, so that's been a, a huge trick for us to try to figure out as well. Like YouTube often is way off the 
the uh, voice might be off from the actions mm-hmm. of, of you know the mouth moving and so right. on. So yeah, that sync thing is a problem. Um, but all all I could think of was on the shoulders of giants is the words that came to me. <laughs> You've taken what's out there already and and created something brand new. Uh, and the technology was there, but you put this whole thing together. I mean, it's like Ford. He didn't invent the car, but uh, he put it all together, and hey, <laughs> you know, you, you created an incredible product. Is what you're doing here? It's, uh, it's certainly it's, trying. It's, yeah, it's, uh, and I think we're just now at a spot in the last year or two where phones and wireless networks and cellular networks um, are all strong enough and fast enough and inexpensive enough that you can actually pull this off. Um, and so it's been it's been great to sort of have the idea right at the time in history where technology is allowing it to happen. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. A lot of people have had ideas like you maybe come up with a really good buggy whip right now for <laughs> for buggies, but it's a little late. Yeah, a little late. <laughs> we're uh, time travel. Maybe we're a little early. Perhaps. Yeah. Perhaps. <laughs> All right. So. Uh, Let's, let's apply this. Let's, okay, so the average, uh, someone wants to do this now. He's starting a, a podcast. Uh, let's go into details here. Yeah, if uh, podcasters are the, are the easiest um, example. Uh, if you want to start a podcast, uh, you know, most people have, have nothing. They probably don't have a radio background. They certainly don't have a studio in their house or access to one. And so the idea is, all right, how do I, one, get myself to sound good? And two, if I want to talk to somebody who's not standing right in front of me, how do I connect with them at all um, and get that recorded? And there are a number of ways to do it, but they almost entirely, all of them sound pretty bad uh, or have their severe limitations. Uh, and so what Ringer allows you to do is take your phone, either iPhone or Android or your tablet, uh, download the app uh, and invite somebody to a conversation using their email address. Um, they get an email that says, hey, so-and-so wants to talk to you at this time. Um, uh, here's your code that you enter on the Ringer app, and it'll connect you. Uh, and so they can, if they already have Ringer on their phone or their tablet, they just tap the code, and it literally, you don't have to set up an account. You don't have to put your email address in. You don't do anything. It literally jumps them right to the conversation that you've set up with them. If they don't have Ringer, it takes them to the App Store. They download it for free and then touch the code. But literally, that's all that has to happen. As soon as both parties are there and ready to go, it gives you a little three, two, one countdown, uh, and then you hear the other person on the line, and you start talking. And when you're done, you hit stop, and the interviewer, sixty seconds later or so, gets the files um, in their email that um, that have everything they need to uh, to put it together. And it sounds like you're sitting right there in the in the same room with them having a conversation. And there's no, you know, how sometimes, like I have another podcaster I'm thinking of, he'll ask a question. And then there's like some kind of, you know, there's a break there. And then the guy answers it. You know, there's there's this, you know, that it's not connected. There isn't any of that at all. Then. No, um, it, it's a it's a back and forth. Sometimes, I mean, if you're talking to somebody on the other side of the world, there may be a, a, a slight delay, but it's less than a second uh, in between when they've said it and when you hear it. Um, but we've got all that synced. So it'll uh, it'll sound just like you're having a back and forth conversation. So when you say synced, it eliminates that second? Well, it doesn't eliminate it, but it does. um, I mean, you could in production if you wanted to go in and take it out, you could. Um, But what it doesn't do is um, have a lot of times if you were trying to sync up something like that, the delay would be extra long or 
it would bring the audio so far forward that you'd be talking on top of each other, then there'd be a big delay on the other side. So mm-hmm. we've we've timed it out so that it uh, sits right in the middle of those gaps and uh, and sounds as good as it's going to get on uh, from from that far away. Okay. And now the length of time, if someone wants to do a three-hour, <laughs> I mean, it's a little long. <laughs> Uh, is there any length restrictions? The only restriction is the uh, amount of space on your device. So if, um, you know, we've had people go an hour, hour and a half before um, and without any problem. If you were running very, very low on space on your phone, for example, uh, that mm-hmm. could cause a problem because the audio lives on your phone until the upload after it's over. Okay. And as soon as the upload is complete, the audio is deleted from your phone so uh, automatically, so you don't have to worry about it taking up that space. But um, that is really... But it has to hold that initially. It does have to hold it initially, yes. So I have an i5S phone, okay. um, and it's probably got the whatever the minimum that came with it originally what would be, what, 8 megs or something? Oh, 8 or, gig, yeah. Or 8 gigs, I mean. Uh, so... How many hours would I mean if I had it pretty well empty? How many? Well, how long? You could you could show you could could do forever on eight gig. Um, uh, the the numbers the download for an MP3 is about a meg a minute. We record at a, at a at a much higher quality on the phone than that initially, and I don't have the numbers in front of me. But you would like to have um, if you have 150 meg, which is 0.15 gig, you could easily go an hour or more. Okay, so there is, so if anyone's got the latest phone, I guess especially something like an i6, they could probably oh, go for several hours. Yeah, it's, and it's any phone, if it's nearly empty, will hold as long as you want to talk pretty much. Uh, the only problem would be is if you, if you have your device loaded up with pictures. movies and pictures and audio to the point that the device is already full, that's about the only time you'd run into problems. I think that's what my phone told me. <laughs> Maybe, yes. <laughs> We're almost full here. <laughs> that happens. <laughs> I just don't know what to eliminate. But uh, okay. Um so uh, let's just go uh, through this again. Um So once I have it downloaded on my phone and I phone someone and get them to download it because they need to really download it in advance, right? Yeah, the email will ask them to do that too. So you can you can either do it by way of your email invitation through the app, or if you're already setting up the the interview on the phone or via email, you could say, "Hey, download the Ringer app. I'm going to send you an invite." Uh, and as soon as you get it, then just tap the code and we'll connect. Yeah, it's, it's simple. Um, and then it then you get an email with that whole voice recording on it in your in your your regular email box, right? Correct. And we're giving you four different file types. It's really for the people who'd like to be able to edit their stuff in different ways. Um, you get you get a mono file where that's all compressed into one file. You get a stereo file so you can edit each side independently, but they're still connected. And then we give you each side of the conversation independently in its own file as well, if if that helps you in any way, shape, or form. Well, if someone's coughing on one side, you can take it out. Correct. Okay. Now, you know how a lot of the different email uh, companies out there, like Hotmail, whatever, they have a limited space as far as how much, how big an email they're going to let you download. Are you going to be able to uh, to send a two-hour uh, file? Yeah, we send you a link, hot- not the file. So, oh, okay. um, so the link comes in. It's a very small email. Uh, and then that link will take you to our site, which will allow you then to download whichever ones you want, um, and then you won't have any size restrictions. Okay.
Thank you for listening to Income for Baby Boomers with your host, Ken Queen. Helping boomers like you get a business started, you can run from your own home. We interview owners of both online and offline businesses, but most importantly, ones that are run by baby boomers. Stay tuned next week for new and exciting businesses that you can start from your home. Until next time, have a profitable and blessed week.